Hi, this is Jason, the creator of The Grey Rooms. I just wanted to thank all of you for listening to our month of Patreon. We truly hope that you enjoyed it because we really enjoyed creating it for you. And we wanted to thank our patrons for allowing us to open the door of their little world for you to enjoy. Thank you for that. And we do look forward to creating more for you in the coming days and weeks. This is the final chapter of that month of Patreon. Here we have the behind the door of Reunited. So, without further ado, Reunited behind the door. Thanks again, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Door with the Grey Rooms podcast. This is for a special bonus episode that uh, we released last week. This was a, a Patreon-only uh, episode written by Dave Lasota, and we are excited to share it with, well, we've already shared it with you guys, and now we're here to talk about it. Uh, today we have with us the author, Dave Lasota. There. We uh, have the actor, Alistair Mackey. He played uh, Mark, the narrator and main character of the story. Good evening or good morning, depending on where you are. <laughs> That's true. And uh, producer extraordinaire, Jason Wilson. Hello, and welcome to another. And you know, we didn't even say the name of the story. <laughs> this is for uh, Reunited. Uh, excellent, excellent, emotional, gripping story dave you're you're awesome for for writing this it really kind of cut into the core of my own emotions um i always ask this what inspired you to write this story thank you very much for your kind words i appreciate it as a lot of creative types can probably relate to um whenever you let your your ideas out in the world it's always nice to hear good things come back oh yeah um Inspiration for the story, well, it kind of happened to me um, in a roundabout sort oh of way. Oh, my goodness. No, well, well, except for the whole, you know, sacrifice thing. Um, no, I had uh, <laughs> I had been away from my family for a long time because I had left. I had left for school and I stayed where I went to school and worked forever. And I had just become disconnected with family because right. of life. And I remember my stepmother calling me one time and saying, hey, Kid sister's getting married. Do you uh, do you want to come? <laughs> so obviously I said yes, and so it, it was a real emotional uh, reunion with that. And then uh, fast forward to around Thanksgiving time, I stayed at her house. I was visiting 
and I stayed at her house again. And I just had this weird idea because um, we had lost our father a long time ago. And I just, uh, I'm laying in this room, I'm on an air mattress on the floor and I look towards the door and I just see a shadow pass the, the, the no, door jam. And I was like, what if my sisters got together and did a ritual to bring back our father and I was involved? So, so it was kind of weird, like just, oh. just those kind of weird ideas that, that went through my mind. So I, uh, I had that one in my back pocket for a while and then, um, I hadn't written for, for a long, long time and I had a rather significant life change and I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And then I, uh, just noticed on Twitter that there was a uh, submission call and I said, I'm going to give it a try. And magic was born. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope so. So you so you wrote this story specifically for the Grey Rooms? Yes. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you had the idea range. first, and then you kind of put it into a story. I always had, the, like, I have a, a notebooks upon notebooks of ideas of, of stories that should be written or could be written. Um, mm -hmm. And I had thought, you know, I read the submission guidelines, and I said, well, I, I could definitely kill a character off. Um, so let's try it. And, um, I, I worked through it. And of course, you know, I am one of those procrastinators that I'll wait until right up until the deadline to try to fire one off and then get it all together. Luckily, uh, there was a, a delay in that submission deadline. So I had the weekend to work on it and, uh, there you go. Uh, reunited was born. Sometimes creation, uh, is best under pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's interesting. So you're, if I can rewind a little bit, you had the idea of the resurrection basically that takes place at the end of the story. You had that idea first and then you kind of worked your own personal situation with your, your sister, you said into the story. Basically, I, I thought it was going to be the other way around that, you know, you came up with the, the general story and you're like, now how do I end this? I know we're going to do a resurrection. So it's interesting that if I'm correct here, that you did it actually in that fashion resurrection first and then the rest of the story um i would have never thought that because the resurrection portion was like to me was like a that was the best surprise twist i never would have seen that coming and there was already so much suspense building up like why are people looking at him at the wedding what is this accident that they keep referencing it was really a really good slow burn i think uh, you did an amazing job at oh that. yeah oh yeah i loved yeah. the story i loved how it got to the end I loved it. Like when at the beginning, I was like, "Okay, why is this guy being shunned? Is he just a big alcoholic?" I mean, I figured that. And then you know, you find out like his negligence, and then the whole sacrifice at the end with the twins. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought oh, that, was, that was great. Well, thank you. No, I had I had the 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 resurrection part first because I kind of like work backwards most of the time. Whenever I have a story idea, I was like, "Okay, this is my end game. How do I get there?" Um, mm -hmm. so I had that and then I just moved pieces. Like I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get there. I didn't know who I was going to bring back. And then I started going off and then it, something clicked and said, we know what, there has to be an accident. Um, how, why are we trying to bring this person back? And it just, it, pieces fell into, into place somehow. Um, just get into that, that flow and, um, and then finding out 
well, why would he be asked back for so long? And uh, it was funny whenever I was writing it, I was thinking, I was like, wait a second. Season one has a lot of that, you know, heavy drinking, alcoholic addiction themes. Should I really start, mm-hmm. you know, continuing on with this, this, this kind of track if it's for season two? And I just, I just ran with it. That was brilliant too, that you used kind of alcoholism as, it wasn't like the main driving point, even though it was the cause, I guess, of the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you did it very tactfully. Like you didn't, you didn't glorify alcoholism. Um, the story wasn't about alcoholism, but it definitely carried into affecting, you know, the main character going through what he was going through. So I thought that was that was done very well. You handled that very well because I could see maybe someone. You know, writing some incorporating alcoholism, either making it too much about the alcohol itself, or just I don't know. You're, it came off so believable. I really love when there. It's a horror story where it's not just like right out of the gate. There's a giant monster attacking someone's cabin, and then the story is all about how to survive the monster. Like you kind of already have you know have to suspend your dis, you know your disbelief. But with your story, you could follow along, and it was like, wow, this could have happened to me. This could have happened to my buddy. This could have happened to so and so. So you really kind of kept it down to the everyman level, which I think is a lot better at scaring and freaking people out. You know, it's very subtle. It gets under your skin. Um, that was that was my favorite part of the story. Just just how you set it all up that way. Um, hey, Alistair, how did you feel recording this? Like, was there anything that you, you drew upon uh, to kind of show the subtle emotions that your character went through, or anything like that? Um, you know, I mean, there was actually there was there was a lot in this story which I could identify with. Again, not the being killed uh, to bring somebody back part of it, but <laughs> the uh, the the sort of I I too spent a lot of time away from my family growing up. Uh, I moved out when I was eighteen to go to university, and I didn't really. Uh, I moved sometimes thousands of miles away when I was working in the Middle East. Um. And I was used to coming back after a couple of years or so and everything having changed, everyone not really remembering who I was or having a, a memory of me that was that was very different and uh, associated to sort of a different time in my life when I was not I was I wouldn't say I was a bad kid, but I wasn't the wasn't the best teenager. Um so that sort of spoke to me a little bit of being awkward around family. Um, yeah. So I was able to to pull on that. I, I, I don't, in terms of the addiction side of things, the alcoholism um, uh, has not been a problem for me as of yet. So I, I couldn't okay. immediately lean on that. Uh, actually, having a lovely glass of scotch as we speak. I was going to say, you said yet. <laughs> I was going to say, hey man, we're all quarantined right now, man. We got to yeah. have hobbies eventually. <laughs> Well, oh, I, I, I remember all, alcohol your, uh, all your behind the doors with uh, with your bourbon. So I, I'm I'm doing my version <laughs> at the moment. I've got another twelve year old Kalayla. I'm, I'm um, still in my postal uniform right now, man. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's quarter past eleven here, so I'm 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 having my my nightcap. Salud. Uh, it's three p.m. and I'm sipping on Campari. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um but but in terms of uh, uh addiction to to sort of coming out the back of that i actually um I, I don't mind sharing this um i'm a gambling anonymous uh member ah. so i i've had my own struggles with that in the past and that was that was helpful for me to be able to draw on 
Um, yeah, as, good for you, by the way, for uh, taking care of that, buddy. Seriously, thank that's you. So tough. That's a tough one. I know. I used to work at a casino and I watched people. So good job. It's a it's a it's a strange process to go through to not have something physical. Um, but it was there was there's a lot of similarities I could draw from that process into going into this position as well, going into this role, um, and sort of bringing the character from that perspective. And I hope that came across in the story. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, your your character, you you portrayed the character like it didn't seem like, I mean, granted the situation, but it didn't seem like your life had fallen apart as a former alcoholic. You know, you were in recovery and your family was accepting you back despite what happened. And I thought you played it very well. You seemed like a very strong person that had overcome something. You didn't seem kind of sec- yeah. kind of accepting him back. There was there was still kind a rift yes. there. There was still a rift. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah, there was a reluctance there. Yes, 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 yes. No, I love no, yeah, you portrayed there, it. You did a fantastic job. I, I, you pretty much nailed the voice that I had in my head while I was writing it. So I couldn't have asked for anything more. Yeah. How how did you do that? seat because to you we have the accents and you don't but to us we're like oh his his accent is very thick <laughs> so how did how did you how did you make you sound like us <laughs> uh, well that's the, the the thing i find with the the voice work that i get and the, the castings that i get both, both from you guys and, and from other places is a lot of it is american mm-hmm. um so my my hardest thing is trying to uh add things to sort of what I see as the base American accent to bring a character out of it and try and localize it. Yeah. But I don't know where the localities are for, for different accents. So it tends to be pulling from from films for me. Um Makes sense. I I try and add either some harshness to it or some lightness to it. Um I I I, t- I try to take I take the standard American accent and I just which might be offensive, actually, to you guys. I apologize. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> there's a default for the Europeans um, when we when we think of America, and it's then taking that base accent and adding character to it. So adding history to it. It's like, well, a character could end a sentence with this inflection, um, and you can apply sort of the 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 rhythm of accents from across the world to the American accent that it changes where it sounds like it's from. Um, if I was to try and attempt something like a Minnesota accent or something like that, it would take people way too far out the character because that's... <laughs> you become Canadian. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, or it would just seem like an episode of Fargo. And it's, 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 it's not going to work. So I have to do I have to do sort of edit it subtly rather than go for a regional accent or something like Chicago or Boston or something like that. It would become, for somebody who's not naturally American somewhat of a parody of that accent and that, that detracts from the story for me. So um, I try and I, I, I try not to think too much about it actually. Um, and just let the characters like nuances and uh, individual bits come out as I'm recording it, but still just yeah. using that American accent. It's, it's yeah, it's hard to define. Well, it's a process to go through. Yeah. Because yeah, so for me, I, like I don't, I don't feel like I have an accent, but I'm very aware that I do have a natural accent. Yeah, right. See, see, I was just listening or listening to you. And one of the things I was like, man, it's got to be hard for him because I say out and you say out. It's like, 
it's there's a out. definite it's out it's a definite difference but yeah, yeah i mean yeah you do yeah, you've always done a phenomenal job i absolutely i've said it before i'll say it again i'm i'm always excited when i get something from alistair mackey because it's going to be top notch all the time every time so yeah man i can't do what you do that's for sure and it's, it's very it's it's never in my own accent either <laughs> Yeah, even Todd, even poor Todd, not even in your accent. Well, Todd is, what would you consider Todd's accent? Oh, Todd's Cockney. That's not Cockney. Oh, it is Cockney. Yeah, Todd's Todd's Cockney. It's harsher Cockney, so it's more, it's rural Cockney. Uh, It's not city Cockney, because city Cockney would be a bit more clipped, and a bit more, um, not professional, but uh, uh, a bit clearer to work with, whereas Todd is very much... uh, Mushmouth at times. Yeah, yeah, he's he's. I very much see him with a flat cap, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of working in the fields. Yeah. It's, it's um, he's my yeah, kind he's of very, dude. He's a rural guy. It's, it's oh yeah, uh, but yeah, it's very much, very much Cockney that's, that's awesome. coming through. And um, back and talking about accents, I, I'm from Pittsburgh, and we have our own animal of accent, and I would not expect or want you to do our accents. <laughs> <laughs> How do you define Very a Pittsburgh kind. accent? Well, you know, you have the, like Jason was saying about the outs, right? Everyone has okay. that. We say out. We, 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 you know, elongate everything. So if I want to go downtown, I'd go downtown. Ah, okay. yeah. You see, he did it in his description. He did it twice. He said it and then he said it. It was the same thing. I try not to, to have that, but, you know, it's. I don't. That's a technique that um, that I was taught when I was learning how to do accents was to find a gateway phrase that'll help you get in and out of the accent every time. So it, that could be the sentence you just use there for the Pittsburgh accent. For for like Welsh, for example, you, it's one word. I use the word antibiotics to get into the Welsh accent because the word antibiotics sounds ridiculous in a Welsh accent. What does it sound like? Antibiotics. <laughs> that sounds and beautiful. What are you talking Welsh, about? You're in the Welsh accent, and uh, everything's absolutely fabulous, and you can just carry on. Um, nice. But, but I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have different different gateway phrases for different accents, and then and impressions and things like that. You have lines that you use to it. This is my anchor, and if I lose the accent, then I go back to that. Uh, I I recorded. Um, uh, for Kelly Evans, I recorded um, a version of her her novel, The Morta Carney, in a Welsh accent. And that was eight-hour days of solid reading in a Welsh accent. If I ever lost it, for for some reason, I would go French, and I don't know why. Um, after about five <laughs> hours, um, I would always come back to a particular set of phrases to re-anchor myself in that accent before I could carry on. Interesting. Um, and, and was this Kelly Evans that you did the um, certain man in Russia for us? Yeah, it was off the back of that that uh, Same we, Kelly we, Evans. Okay. we worked together on an audio recording, which which we're, we're sadly not we're not going to publish. But uh, we did we did um, part of an audio recording for her uh, novel, The Morticani, which is a fantastic novel. If uh, if anyone, yeah, that novel was really neat. I I got it when. Uh, she actually submitted a certain man in Russia. We had talked for a little bit. It's real cool. The whole zombie aspect from the middle, uh, mid ages, kind of uh, dark ages or whatever kind of a 
situation. Geez, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm backing out again. <laughs> well, hey, let's yeah. let's get into into your production stuff, Jason. Like, Sucker I was bleu. impressed. Oh, God, <laughs> got all French. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Okay, bleu. It, it happens oh. in the feathers. <laughs> just randomly turn French. It just happens. <laughs> your mother was a hamster, and your father. Ah, oh, yes. You're the best. <laughs> there it is. We started talking about the laden flight patterns, <laughs> the African swallows. <laughs> so, you, you, um, you follow there, Dave. Please tell me you've seen that movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's, that's okay. what I, I, I there, There's a the the constant um, joke about well, African or European swallow. <laughs> that was that was a classic. That's I grew oh, up. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> small, small anecdote, if I may interject very, very quickly. Yes, please. Uh, my dad's in that film. What? Yep. Uh, my dad is in, uh, f- for those of you who don't know what one we're referencing, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. The, Must uh, The scene, he, he's still not spotted himself yet. Um, the scene at the end where the army is running down the hill towards the castle and then a police car pulls up in front mm. of them. <laughs> yeah, um, uh-huh. the, arm, the army um, was pulled from Glasgow University because it's shot in Scotland um, just from the pool hall there they was like do you guys want to come and be in a Monty Python film they were like yeah sure then they were all half cut um, so it's just a bunch of drunken Glasgow University students running down the hill towards this police car and my, my father was one of them that is awesome That's kind of a similar situation when we lived in the UK uh, my dad, who was in the military uh, for the at the RAF uh, Mildenhall, there, um, they actually put up a thing on a bullet board, bulletin board, asking people if they wanted to be in a movie. And so my dad was cast as an extra in the uh, Last Days of Patton, and he oh. actually he actually did find himself. He stopped and said, "There I am," and he's in a crowd of soldiers. And here, yeah, so he was actually originally cast in that movie uh, in the Last Days of Patton. They capture a German soldier and they basically interrogate him and they were going to uh, cast my dad originally as that German soldier because he the way he he had kind of a very rough look for to him and that like he I guess he looked the part but he lived too far away so they just let him do the extra thing but yeah that, that that's kind of cool man uh, I was an extra in the movie Gettysburg what did you play Jason uh, I was a dead Union soldier. <laughs> I did, I didn't want to say I was gonna I was gonna ask if you were a dead soldier, but I was yeah. gonna wait. <laughs> yes, I was. So, anyway, dead soldier number five. <laughs> um, so, so Jason, let's talk about your production for this. I was really impressed with um, how. You know, we talk about like certain stories have like a lot of different scenes that move around. This one was just really kind of you know. Uh, Alistair's character getting to the wedding, then being at the wedding, and then back at his sister's house. Um, I actually didn't right. catch until the second or third time listening to it, just the subtle things you did, like the the whispering in the background at the uh, mm-hmm. at the wedding. I don't know. I didn't catch that the first time. It wasn't until the second or third, and I was like, oh, oh, this just ratcheted it up a little bit. Like they're all whis- I think it was because I had headphones on the second or third time, and I could definitely hear it that way. Um, but that just added to the ambiance of like just this slow burning suspenseful build towards what in the goddamn hell is going on here all these people whispering and then you did these little subtle effects of like 
I'm forgetting which part now, but like the voices would kind of slow down a little bit and then fade off in the background. Um, were there any fun moments you had putting this story together or any hardships trying to emulate any kind of sounds? Um, well, uh, speak on it. <laughs> you know, the hardest part, honestly, because no, I really, really didn't have too many difficulties with this story because for lack of better for lack of a, a better way to describe it, it's really cut and dry. There's no, there's no messing around here. This is where you're at in the scene. This is where you're at in the scene. This is where you're at in the scene. Like at, at the beginning, you know, he's out in the parking lot. And, well, I, I coincidentally had just been in a parking lot, but a gravel one like a couple of days prior. So I instantly just went back there in my mind. And th- th- basically what I do is I read the story and then I read the story and then I read the story, and while I'm reading it, I sit there and I try to make a pick movie in my head. And it's it's always kind of kind of neat to develop the the environment. And I try to be three dimensional in, in the sound effects. I'm actually glad that you picked up on that. That the, that's the wedding crowd, because yeah. how often you go to a wedding and people aren't talking, but there's right. going to be somebody making noises and stuff. You're going to hear people like. <clears throat> or clearing their throat or something. I mean, you have to, if you really want to immerse your audience, you have to think just outside of the, the just get, don't be in a tunnel. You know, there's things happening to your right, to your left, behind you, up, down. You know, you live in a 3D world, so that's what you got to do. And I have an idea of what I want to do with everything, but it wasn't until I actually received the um, dialogue from Alistair that I was able to sit down and uh, really put it all together because the, the, the warmness of his voice, like just the tones in his voice uh, really helped me build everything. But yeah, everything is just, just trying to make it trying to, cause we're just working with audio. You can't see pictures. So right. I try to take as much from the environment that is described in the, 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 uh, the, the story in that scene. And I try to audibly build a world for you to kind of visualize in your head what's going on. So no real hardships, but yeah, that's the fun part. Actually, that's probably the funnest part of all the being the audio guy is that I get to create these worlds that everybody gets to listen to. It's a lot of fun. Do you ever record any kind of ambient sounds yourself that you might want to use for something, or do you tend to rely on like pre-built ambient sound effects, things like that? Yeah, right now I'm uh, dealing with a lot of. Um, pre-built stuff uh i'm actually just started doing some research on how to uh i i eventually want to do my own foley i eventually want to pretty much get everything you know naturally but yeah like a lot of the stuff i use is just sitting around at a, a, a sound effects library and just sitting there finding the one sound effect i want and if i have to sit there for 20 minutes till i find that one car door opening and closing sound i like then you know that's what it takes Right. And and that's not easy because I know that like, like you just said, if you, for example, if you needed a car door sound, sometimes it's not just simple to just look up car door sound. You have to get inventive. Like I was asking you about um, our last behind the door we did, how you did the sound of the, 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 the boat coming up out of the water for uh, the rivers story. Right. And um, I was thinking you were using like a boiling sound or something, but you used the sound of ships running aground Right. right. Um, yeah. And actually, and, and a, again, a ship sinking too. Yep. Right. And a ship sinking. So you didn't just look up. What does you know? What does a boat sound like coming out of the water? You could. You had to get inventive with repositioning, basically repurposing. You know, sounds. So I imagine you kind of do subtle stuff like that all the time. 
It's just Probably. not very often talked about. Nah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that's 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 the thing about being the audio guy, man. We don't get talked about. We just get listened to, you know. But it's <laughs> it's a lot like with Alistair. Uh, it's a lot of movies. So again, you got to sit there and you have to think about well, what's this environment going to sound like? Well, the only thing I can really do is go back to movies I've watched and and think about how I that scene, uh, how it related to what was going on at that time. And the same like again, as Alistair, I used the movie kind of as a reference point to build off of and just kind of try to make it sound realistic. I mean, cause sometimes you can put a sound effect in there. And again, if I could just go out there and get any willy nilly car door opening and closing, but it may not sound right with the scene. You have to make sure that right. w- what's, what's the, uh, what's the temperature of the scene? Is the scene bright? Is it blue? Is it, you know, is it kind of cold or warm? I mean, what's going on? You can't just have like a door, a cat, cat. And it's a very right. glum scene. You got to have things that match it. So it's it's a process, but it's fun. Yeah, it could throw off the whole episode if you're not really thinking. Care like you said, if you just stuck any old sound in there that you needed, it could throw the balance off for the for the story. Yeah, and that's that's also disrespectful to the authors and to the voice talent. You know, they're putting in all the hard work and effort to create the beautiful story and to uh, bring the bring it to alive with their uh, with their wonderful acting abilities. How dare I be lazy and just throw something in there that's not going to take <laughs> it to that next level? You know, so. The Grey Rooms does not do that. <laughs> one team, one dream, baby. <laughs> there, there you go. Exactly. Um, so, so Dave, what um, have you ever written other stories that have become, you know, like a, a, a podcast um, episode? Or have you ever written for other podcasts? Have you had other stories published before? Like, what what is your background here as an author? This is my first one. This is my first story that was picked up and and produced um you win um confetti no, everywhere. It's, it's like i said i had just started um the november prior to this deadline um i i participated in the national novel writing month or nanorimo um mm-hmm. because i had a story that i wanted to to get out um i had some more time on my hands and um, I, I, I went to you know I, I went to writing and and I was successful in it. I still haven't finished that book. Um, two nanoramos removed. Now I have one hundred and ten thousand words and no third act. But um, I, I just started writing more and I had this opportunity, so I submitted. Um, I'm, I currently write uh, book reviews and coordinate book reviews for a uh, site out of Canada called. Horror bound, and I really have to enunciate the horror on part of that. Um, it's horrorbound.net, and we do it where we're all over the place as far as horror goes. So we have books, movies, independent articles. We um, we've published some short fiction from our, our extremely talented authors. Um, so I do that, um, and I have something right now in review for an anthology. But um, like I said, I'm I'm really just starting getting That's into cool. the the um, writing on a regular basis and submitting things right now. Awesome. Well, um, well, definitely for people listening to this at the time they're listening, we're going to include as many notes in the show notes, uh, any any links that we can for everything that you just discussed, um, so okay. that we can get people. <laughs> Kind of yeah, in on what you're doing. Yeah, I really, I really had to. Uh, I learned that I had to enunciate that word because um, I teach creative writing for a community college, 
local here. And the first time I said that, you know, I ready for horror bound and everyone looked at me like really weird. And I realized it sounded <laughs> a little different. Than a little risque. Like horror bound. <laughs> so like, oh, we are driving to the red light district. <laughs> I thought I was going to learn how to write scary stories, not, uh, you know, kink fetish. Yeah, there you go. You know, Dave, real quick there on that, by the way, you said you teach creative writing. I have to tell you, for the life of me, cannot remember the young lady's name. But it was one year, my 11th grade year in high school, I had this one teacher, and she was a creative writing teacher. And she would have us come in, and she would write one sentence on the chalkboard, and she would say, okay, 30 minutes, go. And we would have to take that one sentence and write out a story. And that was really when I realized that I had... A, a passion or a desire to create things like this because I used to sit there and I always used to write horror stories and I take them and just write just really messed up things about like alien abductions and stuff. So creative writing teachers got a special place in my heart because the creative writing teachers are actually one of the first things that really pushed me to kind of want to create this kind of stuff. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. I, I, I firmly believe that everyone does have a story in them. Um, Everyone, everyone has someone out there that wants to hear their story, right? So out of everyone that listens to this last week or whenever this is released, um, maybe the majority of them won't like it and be like, you know, I never want to hear anything from this one guy again, but there's going to be one out there that it's really going to touch. And that's who I write for. That's right. There There you go, brother. And I guarantee you it's the opposite. There's going to be everyone that wants to know more about you, and there'll just be one guy or woman or whoever that's like, yeah, I like this story. No, and then, no, then they'll go gonna, away. It's going to be some dude. You know, it's going to be some dude like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I could write a better story. Some little, little salty guy sitting around just all ticked off. To the production, I tell you what, uh, Rooks, whenever you said about that ambient sound and that whispers whenever he's walking in, that mm-hmm. that is so important because I do I listen to a lot of I have a, an hour an hour and ten uh, commute one way to work and I listen to a lot of audio dramas and a lot of podcasts and that is so important because it does it it, it adds to that tension too because as he's walking down and you hear those whispers are they talking about him and that adds to that anxiety. And I think that really gets, allows the listener and the reader to get behind that and feel yes, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's, um, very when much. you think about it, it's just something in the background, but it definitely supports and, and, and turns up the volume on the story because if, if it's there, maybe you don't notice it, but if it wasn't there, you would definitely notice the lack of it. So yeah, it, it's, it's very much needed to help prop up the story for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this it's a good day. It's a great day. <laughs> Jason's going to listen to this over and over again. I'm going to call my mom after this. <laughs> it's Wait, like you won the Oscar. Question. Next question. Hey, yeah, right, let's so, did did, yeah. did you oh. do the, the, the choking during the water torture, or is that a added sound effect from Jason? Oh, I, yeah, who Jason, was that you? or <laughs> No, was that? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. So it wasn't <laughs> Alistair. To be perfectly honest, sometimes I do, sometimes yeah. I do choking sound effects and you use them, and sometimes I do choking sound effects and you don't. Yeah, no, that so one. Graham said this in the last episode. <laughs> I think the only Come time on. you've used me choking was when Todd got throttled. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. No. So, yeah. That so, was so, a, yeah. that was a stock. Well. well you know what? Uh, honestly, to be fair, I think that might have been a combination. I've done that. Like, I actually just did that in a story I just finished. The last story of the regular season, I just finished it where uh, 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 character Margaret Ashley, she gets strangled in it. Uh, spoiler alert. It's been in the first, like, first, like, friggin' two minutes. So, whatever. But, uh, oh, another spoiler alert. But, uh, uh <laughs> but, no, so I use a combination of her and some stock stuff that I have to kind of stretch it out. So, no, actually, I kind of think it might have been a combination. So, yeah. I remember there was there was well, there was one episode where I I had to do some either some coughing or some choking or something like that, and I didn't I know I didn't record it. I just recorded the lines because I knew you'd add stock in. And then I listened to the episode, and the person sounded so much like the the, the file you found sounded so much like me. I was like, did I record choking for that one? No, sir. That's the that's the power of pitch shifting and bourbon. Sit here yes. and you adjust the tones and tone. I was it was very impressive. I was just like, is that me? No, I don't. I don't. I didn't record coughs for that one. He's done it to all of us, Alistair. He's done it to all of us. We've all With recorded something. Said, yeah. If you are if you are voice talent out there, it is always nice if you want to throw in some of the foley. We appreciate that. It it actually makes it easier to kind of. Uh, put the characters together because sometimes you find fully it doesn't sound like them and you got to sit there and adjust it but if you don't whatever it is what it is <laughs> i feel like i'm getting called out now on the podcast. no you're not <laughs> <laughs> i'll do fully Nobody next time i'm here. sorry <laughs> i can't wait till you hear this uh upset that number 10 episode uh the by the one part in there when todd stands up the thing I found, I hope you know what I'm talking about, but the part I found, it's so comical. It's so hilarious. <laughs> I, I I was in tears. I know what you're talking about, Jason. My, my, <laughs> my, Michael Zanke, who wrote it, he sent me a big DM on that. He said he was, he said it was, uh, what, what did he say, Brooks? He said it was auditory uh uh, if, something like big cinema, like auditory cinema. And he, yeah, he, he, he was dying. He was loving it. So I think you'll be happy with it. So well, way to nail yeah, time. I have to look back, but he said something hilarious. It just, yeah, it was good, good, good part of the story. Definitely. Yeah, there, there, there are certain things that I, I, I won't provide fully for. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah. Let's just say it doesn't involve the mouth. You're right. <laughs> Can't wait for that episode. <laughs> yeah. Dave's like, what am I learning here? <laughs> um, so, the inside um, track. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so back, back to you, Dave. Um, what is your flavor of horror? Like, what do you find yourself listening to uh, in terms of podcasts? What do you find yourself reading? In terms of horror, what is it that you like? I am all over the board. I, uh, I mean, obviously, no sleep. A uh, lot of creepy. Um, some of the other like audio dramas, like Darkest Night, um, okay. is fantastic. Or reading goes. Um, I guess. I guess if I had a wheelhouse of horror, it would be the possession, supernatural, ghost sort of thing. Though that really doesn't scare me, what really scares me is the the things that can actually happen. Well, not to say possessions and things can't happen, but like, um, what was it? The Strangers, Home Invasion, like funny games, things like that. That terrifies yeah. me. Yeah. Kind of like where um, where No Sleep used to be like early on in the beginning of No Sleep podcast, where they were much more 
kind of grounded in speculative fiction of everyday things that would happen that could go wrong and they could encompass ghosts or demons or supernatural, anything like that. Um, I like that too. That's the, the subtle, the subtleness of that kind of stuff gets to me versus just like, Oh, look at that big 50 foot monster. It's blowing fire at everything. Oh, that's not really scary. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I am, I am a sucker for a good, you know, slasher or, or, you know, monster flick, uh, the Universal Monsters are classics. I grew up watching them, but uh, something that stuck with me was whenever I watched The Exorcist whenever I was younger. That's the one that stuck with me. And then anyone yes. that can really, like, as far as whenever I read, I read a lot of, of books just for reviews, and then there are a lot of independent authors. But sometimes if, if someone can take me and put me in their world, like um, Adam Neville. Uh, with the ritual, like I, I really thought that I was walking through the woods with those characters. Um, Mira Grant or Shauna McGuire, she's she's taken me into. I'm reading um, into the Drowning Deep right now, and I'm I'm on this boat with these these people. I'm in that environment. So anyone that that can really take me and and put me in there, um, I, I get behind. Ah, the ritual is a good okay. movie, by the way. I, that, that was the his book like the just the 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 way he he set the mood very very early on it was it was very claustrophobic very oppressive and i'm just like oh i'm i need to get out of here <laughs> i have to read this book outside but not in the woods like in a field <laughs> interesting yeah i um i think i read it when i was maybe 10 or 11 and that was my first real exposure to like just true visceral horror. And I remember feeling the, that first time of like reading the book, but then needing to kind of turn more lights on and just check around the house a little bit. And I never got that from reading monster books. And yeah, I don't know. There's a very difference between, to me, between just this giant monster in your face doing stuff versus the more subtle, like you, you realize there's a, uh, a bad guy, ghost, monster, whatever. But it's more how you're reacting to everything and how it's affecting your life. That's the scary part. So yeah, I've always, um, I've always been more partial to suspenseful kind of horror stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's the the monster you can see even if you don't see it, you know there's something there, right? You know that something's happening. But the things that make you question your reality, like did I leave that cupboard open or did I just watch my, my, my dish fly off the counter or right. what kind of, you know, why is my, my daughter or my wife or my brother speaking in tongues all of a sudden in a, in a voice that, you know, stuff like that really, you know, gets my ghost too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say that th those kind of subtle things are what gets me. Whereas I would not be afraid if Godzilla was walking down the street right now. I'd just be like, okay, we're going to die. That's it. And then that's that. There's no, there's no terror there. It's just inevitable. It's just, okay, we're done. <laughs> so, um, Alistair, what's your flavor of horror? Uh, my flavor of horror. I really like, um, I, I don't read much horror. I used to, when I was little, I used to, I love the goosebumps books. Uh, I think oh. I had I had oh, yeah. loads of them when I was little. The first proper horror novel I read, which I would describe as horror, was uh, Jaws, uh, the Peter Benchley novel. Uh, yeah, that is horror, dude. Yeah. I, Jaws made me afraid of my damn tub. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually still never seen the movie. I've never seen the movie, but I've read the novel what? back to back to back a few times. Um, I, I'm always very honest when I come on here. Like, horror is not really 
a genre that I go in for that much. It has to be a very specific type of horror um, that I would go out of my way to to sort of either listen to or to watch. Um, in terms of films, I love horror with systems. Now, what I mean by that is something like Cube, where ah, yes. you're put into a world which has a particular set of rules, and it's how those rules yes. work. So something like Cube, or, or I love the Final Destination films, where there's systems at play. There's a there yeah. There's a set of bullet points you have to hit. I love. I'm fascinated by Rube Goldberg devices. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And, and so like a conceptual horror, horror, like I really enjoyed it. Follows, for example. I like that um, one too. That's kind of a thought, divisive movie, but I loved it. Yeah, it's because because I uh, because honestly, I'm a coward. So if it's an actually scary film with. Uh, with like people I can relate to, then I'm just going to turn it off because I'm going to be like, no, no, not for me. Thank you very much. Walking away. <laughs> um, but if it's something with a system that I can disassociate with myself from, I, I can see the construction of it. Like the Saw films as well. Like some of some, not all of them, but some of their construction of their devices and their plots and and, and like the twists and turns of how that works. It's yeah, it's systems is the best way I can think to describe it. But I I like horror with rules cube was my first real introduction oh i was just getting ready to ask if yeah. you have ever seen cube yeah oh, cube, is, cube is great and the yeah, second cube. although the third one was a little meh cube kind of revealed too weird. much and it didn't make sense anyway oh, cube's um, so good man hypercube <laughs> yes. but yeah that that's that's my kind of horror is is one with one with systems you see, I think that I, we're pretty similar in that respect, man. I mean, I think that things like that are more because there are psychos out there. You could see yourself in a saw chair. You could see yourself in a room like Cube where you need to solve something or you're going to end up getting sliced up by invisible wires popping up out of the floor. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're similar there. I'm not a monster movie guy. I like I, I'm more afraid of serial killer kind of stuff and uh, like real life things that can happen, car accidents. Um, like, I remember uh, the movie Volcano from a billion years ago. I think it was in the 90s. Oh, I love Volcano. Yeah, so you know the part in there where they're in the, uh, the subway tunnel, and yeah. they have to get off the train with the lava's down there so that the firefighter has to jump into the lava to throw this little girl to another guy, and he's just melting into the lava. It's that kind of stuff. It's like, man, it's just, just those right there. And demon stuff, like, that like Hellraiser is one of my all-time favorite movies. So, you know, it's just that oh, kind yeah. of stuff right oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That first one discarded me as a child. The first well, that Hell the first Hellraiser was when he was up in the attic, right? Yeah, he was slowly yeah. becoming corporeal yeah. again. Yeah, that that, yeah. that yeah. messed Hell, me up as a child. Hellraiser Two is my favorite one, man. Hellbound. That's my favorite one, and that's apparently that's one of the least liked. But I freaking love that one. I've never seen the Hellraisers. I've never seen the Hellraisers. The the one series I uh, subscribed to because I tried to look at the Halloweens, Friday Thirteens. That didn't really go in for the slasher one, but the the closest uh, I went to was the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. I loved the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street ones, but because there's a system to it. Yeah, I was just gonna say because sense. there's a, there are rules there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, interesting. I like how you call it systems because I get what you're saying. Um, it's just kind of hard to quantify what that means, but yeah, but yeah, it, no, I, I totally follow along. Type. Yeah, no, I love it. Freddie like has the personality, right? You, 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 Freddie has yes. personality after after the second movie. He actually started becoming more. I guess I don't know the his, the way that Robert Englund played that character in Friday or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was was made that franchise. 
I right, he came into his own kind of in the first movie. He could have kind of been anything or anyone, or it could have been anything or anyone fulfilling that portion or fulfilling that 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 uh, character. But yes, you're right. As as you got into the second and the third one, he really became his own character that just ratcheted up the terrifying part for everybody watching it. So, I agree with that. It's just funny to think about those movies because you can also look back and go, God damn, these movies are cheesy as hell compared to a lot of the horror stuff that we can watch, you know, in movies nowadays. Mm-hmm. But still, it was it was great for its time and it's held up well, I think. Some of them have. Got a little weird by movie five or six, but... Yeah, it becomes a power like a comedy towards the end of it. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And then the newer versions that came out, eh, whatever. Yeah. I saw them just to see them. That was about it. <laughs> Careful, guys. You're all stepping into old man zone. Like, it was great when I was around. You kids, these days, you don't know nothing about no horror. Damn kids. <laughs> With your TikToks and your CGIs. <laughs> yeah. They used real masks back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> they really burnt that man alive. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, like, horror, horror <laughs> films, horror, horror films to me today, uh, like the, as a definition, are things like The Big Short. Yeah, um, and so like yeah. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that come under horror for me these days. When you're looking at the level of realism and the, oh, these people exist, that's uh, awful. I guess that makes sense. That does make sense. That that would fall into my. I say I have to say I haven't seen that movie, but that makes sense. That makes sense because this is a real it's person. A this is like it's oh. a different type of terror, uh, particularly yeah. when it comes to something like The Big Short. It's like oh, this can happen. Good. That's my kind of Asian movies are so terrifying for me. I mean, I think the most chilling line out of almost any movie that I've seen was in The Strangers, and like, why are you doing this? Like, because you were home. Like that. Yeah. That, that is terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's it's again going back to what you said, uh, Jason, about like horror that can conceivably happen. That's my favorite. Yeah, well, it's, like it's, you know, what Mike Lee was the first. Well, I remember reaching out to Mike Lee, and he did Falling for me, which was the first one I ever did. And he's also working one on one for me, which is a fictionalized rendition of the Brazen Bull, because I that kind of stuff just really gets me. You know, the Bronze Bull. I hope you guys know that story. So, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, the real life story stuff that can hurt you is great. But back to this story, though. Sorry, I got sidetracked on that one. This one was it when I first. I remember when I first read this. By the way, Dave, I'll be honest with you. I was like, "Well, wait a minute. He, this is because because I'm more of again one of those kind of like um you know it's it's a big kind of a big oh my god that really sucks ending. And I said, "Well, man, this is really subtle. Does this guy actually what the heck happens?" And I read it again. I was like, "Oh." Okay. No, I get it now. This is crazy. So he's basically, they're going to kill him to put her, him into her or give her, swap places basically because she's dead, he's alive kind of thing. And I don't know. I thought that at least that's what I took from it. I thought that was the coolest, coolest thing ever. I really enjoyed this story. It was one of the first ones after I'd read it a second time that, um, that I was instantly like, okay, this one has to be somewhere. We have to use this story. So it's a great story. And I look forward to reading whatever you're going to submit for season three. Yeah, I, I was I was worried that I was I was jumping too much in between, you know, not genres, but but where my, my, my end game was going to be. Like the little ghost girl was showing up and then, you know, he's 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 
poisoned or knocked out. Um, and then the, the, the ritual at the end. So I was, I was worried that I was pulling too much and that it wasn't going to be flush. But, um, again, with, with, uh, way Alistair and, um, who, who did the sister? Was that Aaron? Did uh, Aaron who did that right off? I think that was Aaron. Let me, I let mean, me look. Yeah, uh, everyone involved knocked it out of the park. Um, escaping my friggin' mind. Yeah, but she she was was fan. Just the emotion that you hear in her voice whenever, especially whenever you know at the, the top of the stairs and they're talking about that picture. Um, that, that really sets the tone. Like, uh oh, what's going to happen? She's she's not as 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 happy as uh, she seemed to be um, with him being there. So I, I, yep. was, I was hoping I wasn't you know taking from too many areas, but it seemed to work out. Yeah, Thanks, Aaron man. King played the sister, Margaret Ashley played the mother, and Graham Rowett cameoed as the dad. I, I had to throw that uh, that uh, wrong kid died line in there from, was that Dewey Cox, the John C. Riley movie? Picard, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I totally picked that up. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help it. I, I was hoping it wasn't going to make it like too cheesy, but... <laughs> It's nah. it's a reference for people who get it. It's it, it's fine for people who don't. I, think I liked it. And we're always uh, so grateful to be able to work with uh, Alistair Mackey. He's been uh he's been with us now for this your second season with us, man. I believe. And uh, yeah, yeah, second season. And yeah, he's I'm been um, back to the previews in the first season. That's right, man. Holy crap, dang! It's been forever, huh? But we've been uh so blessed to have such a talented. Individuals such as Alistair Mackey uh, grace us with his gifts and uh, talents. And yeah, man, I, 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 like I said, I always look forward to your audio. I always know it's going to be top notch. And um, if, if you, if this is your first time ever really listening to anything from the gray rooms, go back and listen to, to the entire uh, first season, find, find the stories with Alistair in there, but listen to Todd. I, I got to tell you, you know, I can't let Alistair leave this conversation without us touching base on Todd and like <laughs> mentioning how much Todd is like a personal favorite of mine. And I think Todd is becoming quite a fan favorite. And that's all because of your deliveries. You make him so alive. Man, you rock, Alistair. Todd. <laughs> so make sure you keep coming back every year, buddy. We got to We got to keep you around. Yeah, I'm I'm here for as long as you'll have me, definitely, and uh, I'll say the same for Todd as well. I, he's he's very very good fun to play, um, and I, I was just very grateful that we got to expand on him because he was a, he was a patron only character to start with, right? Um, sort of the the warden's sidekick uh, for a couple of episodes, and uh, I think I think he was originally going to be killed off in the first episode, and that was all you're going to hear from him, right? Um, and then. Uh, the patrons were deciding how he died and stuff. I, I liked the the end of season <laughs> season one where they thought it was a worse punishment to let him live. Thinking that's our patrons. We gotta love them. I'm at the mercy of the patrons. But awesome, yeah, man. Well, we love you, brother. And uh, Dave, love your story, man. Make sure again, 18th, get one in. I want to be able to read it. Don't worry, Alistair. We're gonna we're gonna throw as much Todd at you as we can. So <laughs> no worries. Thank you very much, uh, Alistair. Thank you again, Jason. Phenomenal job. Uh, you, if, if if Aaron and Margaret and Graham are listening, thank you very much for for bringing this to life. It was uh it was it was definitely an experience, and I appreciate it. Yes, sir.
I've got to take a moment, too, to thank uh, the people behind the scenes that don't really get a lot of love, though. Uh, I mean, Cassie Pertit is our creative director. She does a lot of the web designing and artwork. Uh, I mean, she did the artwork for that story. I, I hope you, you got to see that because she's phenomenal. Yeah. And actually just released on our Patreon page uh, a video of her creating the art for that episode. It's, oh, wow. it's phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Cassie's uh, Brooks here. Uh, he does. He's stepped up and he's done a lot of the interviewing process. He does a great job. Helps me run the, run the ship. Uh, keeps everything and in, in align with us here. He directs the social media. Excellent. And he offers his voice talents from time to time. Doing a great job on that. Obviously, Graham Rowett. Don't need to say much more than that. It's Graham Rowett. If you don't know who Graham is, just turn on a podcast. He's in all of them. No kidding. Every single one of them. <laughs> I mean, can, can, can uh, I one, one thing that I, I am kind of disappointed yeah. from season one. When we were when you used to do the the Twitter handles and you would do NY for New York, you really had you really had something going there to have the NY be something different, like naked yoga or nervous. (laughs) (laughs) David, we used to make fun of him all the time. I really thought that he got sick of it. Oh man, I can barely hear you, brother. We we would always make fun of you for that, Jason. Always. Um, <laughs> and we for, gave Graham crap know, all the time for New York. Graham, then why? <laughs> no, that was, that's the only the only uh, criticism I have. I had, I had an opportunity to really run with that one. Ex- expound on it, yeah. You know, maybe it'll return in season three, and then Graham won't <laughs> be like, "No, I'm done with this garbage." So, <laughs> I yeah, still then, have uh, my uh, my Graham Rims T-shirt somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <On the band. laughs> Yeah, you made that yourself, didn't you? Too. That's yeah. the best. <laughs> so, oh, I see. That's the bad. I remember seeing that picture, and we were we all we all busted a serious gut on that one. Because for some reason, that was a running joke last season. I don't understand why, but yeah. So, and then um, also too, uh, we got our videographer, who knew one of the new members is uh, Hale Scherf. Uh, she does a phenomenal job. She actually put together all those videos. Uh, if you've seen any of the videos that we've released. That's all her. Uh, she does a killer job. Kicks some serious butt. Um, not to mention, also, your story came to life not because of audio production necessarily and voice acting, but J.M. Sure. Oh, yeah. Without J.M.'s music, most of these stories don't come to life. I definitely agree with that. Uh, everyone that, that's a part of this is, is phenomenal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, I tell you. And... We can't forget the new guy on the block, Mr. Michael Zanke. Man, Mr. Zanke, his writing is just phenomenal. So season three is going to be a different flavor, and it's going to be something to be something to be had. So that's all I wanted to say on that stuff. Got to love you, JM. You always do such a great job. I cannot forget to stress enough that you people need to listen to the music to the episodes because it really brings the soul together. But Alistair, you rock. Dave, you rock. Brooks. You know, hey, I love you, man, and we'll talk Yay. again soon. So, you guys are epic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, before, you guys have a good night. Before we all part, nope. sorry, what did I say? Before we all part ways here, um, are, is there anything that you're working on, uh, Dave, that you wanted to let us know about, or let the fans know there? about, let anyone listening know about? Did we lose you, Brooks? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh oh. Uh oh. Might have lost Brooks. We, am I am I not here? I'm here. Do you guys hear me? Yep. I'm here. He, he gradually got quieter and quieter until he disappeared. 
I, uh, did you did you notice he was getting quiet too? Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. It was like I, I can hear you. Slowly moving away. It was like it, it was like in Get Out. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, hmm. can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah you are. You are. I, seem, right, cool. I seem to be having some Wi-Fi issues. Well, I will cut that out, Brooks. Don't worry about yeah, it. I was going to say because I have my other my other microphone recording, so I'm okay. talking, and you're all going to be. It's going to sound very strange. Oh <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're, we're talking all over you, probably. Didn't hear you. <laughs> I just kept talking up to to anyway. No, no worries, no worries. We we always have technical issues. I'll um, cut it all out. Yay! Uh, so on that note, uh, gentlemen, um, I want to say thank you for everyone being here. Uh, we will definitely make sure to put all the links in the show notes for everything we've talked about, Dave, so that we can get people sent in your direction uh, to find out more about you, the things that you enjoy, the things that you like, the things that you're working on. Uh, same with you, Alistair. We'll do that again. And uh, we all know what Jason and I are doing, so no need to talk about that anymore. Um, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go Thank break you, some everybody. celery and punch a cantaloupe. That's about it. There you go. We need that new full. I'm, I'm nothing for Brooks. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What'd you say, Dave? Uh, it's like nobody's hearing me. Okay, wonderful. I well, heard you. Yeah, oh, we can hear you now. We can't hear Dave We're, now. Oh, no. Can't hear um, Dave it. says he can't hear me. Time, time to call it quits. Time I know. It's like we're being told now that we should <laughs> yeah, definitely shut this I don't know if you down, hear so. me or not, but I can't hear Brooks at all. I can hear Alistair and Jason, but... Oh, okay, We can hear yeah. you, Dave. Uh-oh. Yeah, we, we hear you. All right, well, on that note, gentlemen, everybody enjoy your night and your day, and we'll all, uh, we'll all say hello to each other on social media. Yay. Right. (laughs) High fives digitally all around. I'll translate because we're having a technical issue here, but he's basically saying goodbye to everybody, Dave. All right. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Thank you for for the assist. I appreciate it. And thank you again for producing this. And I uh, hope to hope you have uh, something for season three for me. Yeah, man, me too. I hope so as well. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Awesome. Alex, and I on love that you, note, good night. Later. Good night, everyone. Join us each week after every episode for another edition of Behind the Door.